with nearly every success, there is a line of failures and setbacks, sometimes a very long line. Many of those stories get condensed into pithy journeys that minimize the struggle. That's where From the Ashes with Mark Azale comes in. On today's show, you'll hear honest conversations about triumph and disaster that Mark's guests faced and how they overcame the adversity to shine. Now, here's your host, Mark Azale. Welcome to From the Ashes. I'm your host, Mark Azale, and I'm sitting here with my good friend, Kiana Torres-Flores. And man, Kiana, we were just talking before the show. When I first met you, it was at the Colorado Group Psychotherapy Society, which is, for those of you who don't know, it's a, it's a nonprofit. How would you? But it's a small nonprofit in Colorado where we make group therapists better group therapists by putting them in group therapy. Okay, hopefully you can follow that. It's just a lot of experiential learning. And Kiana, you showed up, I think it was maybe got to be five years ago now. You're the only person from your school from CU Denver. And you just threw yourself in to like a bunch of like weirdos. I mean, a bunch of just like weird therapists that we talk in our own specific jargon. We have our own way of doing it. And I was just blown away by the courage and bravery you displayed of being able to just one, just fit right in. And two, you know, talk about the elephants in the room, show up as a member, like meet all the people in the community. And I mean, I think we hit off right after that, right away. Yeah, I think immediately after you're like, we want you on our board. And I was like, dude, I don't, I hardly know you yet. <laughs> and, also my ner- and also my nervous system was just so fried that I was like, oh God, someone saw that. Someone saw all that. Um, yeah, that was one of the... Man, most invigorating experiences I could think of. I mean, I was in grad school at that point and feeling pretty burned out. And then once I did those intensives and that large group, I was so sure that group therapy is where it was at for me and being a part of FCGPS, which was then COGPS, um, has been such a gift and being able to hone more of those skills. Yeah. I mean, there's such power in community and in just like being able to talk to each other and bringing people together. And it's, it's really powerful. And, you know, kind of that, that dovetails really beautifully into our topic today where, you know, it's a little different, but we're talking about spiritual community and your experiences of trying to find a spiritual community and a spiritual group. So how about you tell the listeners about your From the Ashes story? Oh, well, okay. We only have an hour, so I'll keep it beginning here short. Um, So I grew up Catholic. Um, I identify as Chicana and my mom's from Mexico and my dad's from the southernmost part of Texas. And, um, you know, their, their moms were Catholic. And so they're, you know, they're Catholic. My mom's Catholic. So I grew up with like countless photos of Jesus and Jesus hands and mother Mary's all over the place and uh, going to um, St. Joseph's, which is in the Baker neighborhood. And I remember the first time I stepped through the threshold there and just feeling this. I mean, I can't even, I can't, I still can't (laughs) describe it, but something very palpable and very thick in that space, just um, knowing that, it's been a long time place of worship and that people came here for comfort and solace for all kinds of different reasons. Um, I know that now looking back as a kiddo, but that's one of my first like most powerful memories as a kiddo was stepping through the threshold through St. Joseph's. 
Um, so I grew up Catholic and, uh, you know, did all my sacraments and, and whatnot. Um, but it wasn't until I was about 15 when I was getting my quinceanera um, classes done before you get your quinceanera, which is like this coming of age thing um, that we do in my culture. Um, you do a whole series of classes about like what's faith and what's spirituality, what's religion to you and what's becoming a woman, which is really interesting because originally the quinceanera was for men, for boys, but that's a whole other podcast. Oh, anyway, wow. yeah. I didn't know any of that. I didn't know there was classes. I don't know the history. Yeah, we'll have yeah, to have yeah. you back and talk about quinceaneras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I remember being really irritated, <laughs> especially <laughs> in those classes, because it was so narrow. It was so narrow. Um, the The only thing you needed to do to pass, like to actually do the sacrament, was to memorize the Apostles' Creed, uh, the the Lord's Prayer, which I have beef with, and um, of course the you know Hail Mary. That's all you needed to do. You, you didn't really need to know anything about what you were getting yourself into other than, you know, those particular prayers and have had some kind of intelligent conversation about what faith and religion, all that stuff meant to you. Um, so that was my first gripe um, with Catholicism. Went through the whole quinceanera thing. And then um, do you remember that movie, The Craft? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they like these three witch ladies and, you know, they come together, they form a coven and they're all powerful and they turn against one another, all this stuff. Okay, so I watched that movie. And let me also set the context of I'm growing up in a low income family, uh, low income neighborhood. And uh, my father was chaos, chaos, uh, all kinds of addicted um, Booze, hard drugs, rage, name it, you got it. Um, and growing up in my household was just really uncertain. Didn't ever know what, what was going to happen when. So after looking into a little bit more about witchcraft and Wicca and paganism and all this stuff, um, it gave me a sense of like, oh, I can have power over my environment and my life and all those things in such a time where it didn't feel powerful at all. And um, I got really deep into sort of some earth religions and um, really used it as a place of comfort and stillness while all of this chaos was going on. And um, eventually my parents split up and I ended up taking it with me. But I have this really vivid memory of of doing this binding spell on my dad, trying to, to get him to stop drinking. Because I, in my mind, in my 15 year old mind, I was like, this is what's gonna get him to stop. Like nothing else has stopped, has stopped him. So I do this binding spell and then he stops like the next day. And, I'm, and of course I'm like, oh my God, it I'm fucking a witch. worked. I'm a witch. I'm, <laughs> I'm a witch, I'm powerful, look at me go. Oh man, and, and he he stays clean for as far as I know, at least from alcohol, for about like three months, and it's like the most chill three months of like my life. And I'm like, oh my god, like this spirituality stuff works. Like you give, you get as above, so below. You know, put out good stuff in the world, you get it back, and you know, all that. And um, 
after three months, something happened and he started drinking again. And then I was like, huh. So that binding spell only lasted for three months? Hmm. Okay. So that was the first little ding of like, huh, do I, is this what I'm about? And of course, also at 15, I'm learning a whole bunch about Catholicism. And I'm also building up my own sort of political identity at the time and, and even more so now very kind of, you know, left-leaning, pro-choice. So I'm learning about, you know, Catholicism's role in conquering and colonialism and um, outright, like, just genocide of people, in addition to, you know, pro-life, interfering with women's rights to their own bodies, making their own decisions. And identifying as a cisgender woman, uh, I'm going to have some thoughts about that. Um, So at 15, building up my own political identity made it harder and harder for me to keep up with the the Catholic ideology and whatnot. Um, And then being kind of at a standstill with these earth religions too, kind of left me in the dust. And I ended up doing some yoga because a Bikram on Broadway opened up right on third in Broadway. It's a core power now, I think. Uh, but it was one of the first like hot yoga places and it was like free for 10 bucks and da 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 da. I went immediately hooked all 103 degrees, all 90 minutes. And um, I remember the yoga instructor talking about hey, you're gonna you're gonna do this to to like feel good in your body first but then the magic's going to hook you somehow. And what happens next is I do the 10 days. I finish out a year later. I am like deep into yogic philosophy. I'm meditating. Like I am like 16, 17 at this time. Um, And just completely enthralled with the spiritual lineage of, of yoga and all these different ideas of um, all one, you know, sub ek, everything being one, um, and my destiny being tied up with yours, and vice versa. And um, I mean, inca- reincarnation also blew my, my mind up too at that point. Um, but at the same time, I was all like, "Huh, what did I do to deserve such a like shitty upbringing?" Also, so spirituality kind of like it. It lit, up, it lit up a bunch of things in my life that brought like comfort, but it also put a lot of question marks around like, why, why, why are these things the way they are? Anywho, fast forward, I'm getting my yoga uh, instructor certificate. I'm teaching for a good long while. And again, like very steeped into ritual and ceremony of the yoga philosophy. Um, kind of on the perimeter, still doing some Mother Mary worship and whatnot. Um, I have a, a class that I'm starting at the, the yoga center that I got my certific- certification with. And uh, Thanksgiving comes around. I volunteer for a class. Boom. My mom tells me that some really heavy medical um, news. And I was blown away. I immediately was like, oh, hey, mom, you're mortal and you're not going to be here forever. So I decide to 
cancel on my yoga class and then they decide to cancel me after that and that ousting that just complete ousting from the community was such a huge severing in my spiritual community because I mean my more like mature spiritual ideas like happened in this community and being able to integrate more of who I was and, and all that stuff within a community was such a big deal for me to have people who who could speak the same language, who felt the same kind of pull toward that idea of all one and just seeking, seeking to be good people or as good as we could possibly get. Um, so at that point, I was like, fuck spirituality, fuck it. And I'm like, if it just takes this, me like canceling a class to go be with family, this is bullshit. (laughs) This is completely- Talk about betrayal. Yeah, it was a huge betrayal. And it wasn't just one person, right? Like it was a whole community of people that I've spent years at that point, years of my life with and developing my spiritual life with. So deeply, deeply painful. And um, I went without. I went without spirituality for a good long while in protest of that kind of treatment. And come to find out, it's actually pretty common in, in some spiritual communities to just get ousted because you didn't fall in line. Um which I mean, speak about the Catholic <laughs> the Catholic Church. I mean, several people get ousted from um religious communities too for not fitting a particular mold for many reasons right anywho um now i was sort of dabbling in and out of going to church not going to church i would go to church and i'd feel yucky feelings inside and i'd be like oh okay it's not time i don't think i can um fast forward even further i have a friend um named Lindsay, who who has um, a resurgence of cancer and the cancer has metastasized and turned into stomach cancer, turned into brain cancer, turned into all over cancer. And at that time, um, or actually even before that, she was deep, deep, deep into her own church community and like hosted life groups and all this stuff. And she was probably one of the most alive people I've ever known. Really just like did what she wanted. And she was a social worker too in that way. So I I connected with her so much. And she, before she passed away, she was in, in hospice. She was 38 years old, like really young. Um, She was in hospice and she called her pastor to come and do a testimony um, for, for why she's a believer. Um, And she, she went to a Christian church. And um, I remember seeing the testimony at her memorial and there's, there's this line, you know, that peace beyond all understanding that she quoted, like that video was taken just a couple days before she passed away and the kind of calm that overcame her in those final days just blew my mind. And, and she um, attested that it was all due to her faith. 
which I mean, immediately I was like, oh, I miss that. Even right now, I'm getting cheerful just thinking about it. Um, I missed that feeling of having a tether, even when like shit was really hitting the fan, looking completely dire, not having somewhere to lay my bones at. And here she is at the end of her life feeling um, at peace with the fact that she was going to die in a couple of days. And that was so moving to me. And there was there was no hesitance in me that I needed to have that feeling back. So, yeah, I I came back. I came back. And I can tell you a little bit more. Yeah, that's a really wild story. Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, just that unbelievable amount of grace and just calm and anchor, like you said, of being able to look death in the eye and just walk into it, you know, arms open, heart open. That's unbelievable. I mean, that is a, it's a superpower, really, truly is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was such a gift. I'm, I'm sad that it it meant that she had to pass away for me to learn that lesson. And I'm so grateful for it. Well, as we head into our first commercial break, we'll hear more about the story uh, after the break. So for those of you tuning in, stay tuned. There's a lot more to come. Um, sure to be a real powerful episode this time around. So catch you on the other side. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are the experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azale.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C-Azale, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y.teachable.com. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. 
Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azalay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azalay.com. Now back to From the Ashes. Welcome back. I'm your host, Mark Azalay. We're sitting here with Kiana. She's talking about, I mean, the loss of a dear friend and this spiritual anchor that she saw in her friend, Lindsay, of being able to, I mean, quite frankly, walk into death with both eyes facing forward is what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. You know, being able to confront it, to feel it, and to feel confidence knowing that her life was almost over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was so moving. It still is. It gets me every time. And um, this was the first time that I was losing someone too. I I mean, that, that wasn't flesh and blood, but someone who I had like invested time and energy in developing a relationship and so young, right? Like she was 38 and I think I was like 32 at the time. And, um, Oh yeah. The, the grief that came, like we, we only, well, I only knew about maybe a week before all this got really terrible and she was in hospice and I had never known that kind of grief, like debilitating, wailing, <laughs> having to go to the bathroom in the middle of staff meetings because I just couldn't keep it together kind of grief. And I knew part, I knew that part of what was exacerbating it was that I didn't have like I didn't have a tether, I didn't have a process, I didn't have any particular way. Um, you know, in, in Catholicism, what I learned was like you have the funeral, you say your goodbyes, you do your rosary, you have your viewing, you you know, you bury or, or you cremate, and then like da-da, done, grief process. Um, you know, and that's I don't I don't that wasn't going to work for me because she wasn't even in the ground (laughs) at that point. You know, how do you grieve for someone who's still alive and just walking down the path? Um, So with that and her passing, um, it just became so utterly clear that I needed to get a spiritual tether again. So I ended up, um, well, I mean, at this point, I like stopped doing yoga. I was still in protest. Um, I started doing more yoga at home begrudgingly. And then eventually I was all like, I wonder what it would be like to just get back into a church at this point. So I started hunting around for, you know, non-denominational kind of Christian churches and like ones that were in my area. So to make it super convenient, since it was already hard to step through the threshold of a church to begin with. And um, I, I 
they call it, I didn't even know that this was a thing, but they call it church shopping. Like every time I went, there was like a pastor or someone who'd come in and be like, oh, what brings you in today? And like, like, oh, I'm just, you know, here to experience it. Oh, you're church shopping. I'm like, okay, I didn't know that was a thing. But um, I really wanted to have a community that looked like me, that was more or less in my age range and whatnot. Um, throughout my life, I've had lots of friends that are in their 50s and 60s, significantly older than me. And uh, I wanted to know what it was like to have more friends that were my age and also and also um, to have it in a spiritual community. So um, on top of that, I wanted a, a diverse, you know, you know, nice, inclusive, open and affirming um, church life too, um, to live my sort of social justice and like interior life out loud also. Um, and it's so interesting because the churches that I thought were going to be a really good fit, like they looked like me, they were diverse, um, ended up being like hellfire and brimstone like your center stuff i was like oh no i don't wow. need that yeah i don't need intense. that like i'm i'm like helping my grieving heart right now i don't need <laughs> that kind of stuff um and after going to a nice handful of churches i found one that was they identify as a christian church um open and affirming but man totally the opposite of what I what I thought I needed for sure of what I was looking for um, older population mostly white identifying mostly straight identifying um, but open and affirming younger pastors um, one of those pastors identifies as a woman um, which I really dig and they both curse I remember the first time I ever heard my pastor say shit and I was like oh the pastor said shit <laughs> and I was like I like it even more <laughs> that's how you knew you were in that was the that was it yeah is the pastor said shit that's awesome yeah they're very real they talk about real world stuff they they integrate social justice and in, in everything they do of course they have a long way to go in recognizing their own um, privilege and, and all that stuff um and i'm like happy to be there for that work because they're happy there to be for that work too so i mean getting reconnected to the church i mean it was a slog that those first couple months i could not get through a sermon no matter what it was about without crying whether it was like feeling the grief of losing my friend or feeling the grief of like, oh, I can't believe I've spent years without this feeling of belonging and, and, and togetherness and wholeness and, and um, like family that's, that's outside of the blood family and whatnot. Lots of longing, lots of grief for those lost years. And um, I mean, even now, <laughs> I mean, in our virtual days, um, even now, there are times where I'm like, wow, I made it back here. Like, I made it back to this place. I could have easily just kept on protesting against spirituality because of this shitty thing that happened in spiritual community. Um, and wow, it's made such a big difference in my life, especially now as a, as a counselor. I don't know how I would do this work without some kind of spiritual tethering, without being able to, at the end of the day, say, okay, you know, higher self, like, 
take this over. I showed up for my part. I'm done. Or, you know, like, I'm just a vessel, like, work through me. Let me be the, the, the thing that, you know, helps this sibling along in the ways that you need. Um, you know, removing myself in one way or another, but also allowing my gifts as, you know, as a, as a person um, to shine through to other people and receiving gifts from other people on a spiritual level too. Because I mean, the work we do is so sacred. I think especially counseling work is so sacred. Yeah, people coming into our offices, it's just spilling their guts like talking about like really painful content and sometimes content they've never said before I don't know what's more sacred than that holding space very confessional (laughs) very Very confessional confessional, but a reciprocative (laughs) confessional so uh now with this spiritual tethering um I mean, I, I identify as all kinds of things, but mostly spiritual, but not religious. I do go to, you know, my Christian church, um, but I, I mean, I still have indigenous roots. I still do a lot of earth-based practices and rituals. And as you might have just mentioned, I also do a lot of prayer too, in and throughout the day, the day to help ground me and center me and what I'm here for. Yeah, I get really interested in the spiritual tether. It just sounds like, I mean, what a connection to have, right? To the divine, to the present moment, to, to the earth, like you talked about. And I think it is critical in the work that we do because people come to us sometimes in the worst day of their lives, right? When everything is falling apart, when, you know, nothing is helped. We're often the last thing people call, you know, when nothing else helps. And I, I really liked what you talked about of this sense of um, humility, you know, of being like, I'm here, I'm going to show up presently, and I have to set this burden down somewhere. You know, I can't carry it all, all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it gets some of, it's very holy work to be able to hold someone else's suffering, and then holier work to be able to know where you start and where they begin <laughs> and hold that line because they have their own journey too and you have yours and just for this one moment your your journey happened to intersect yeah. what are some of the other lessons that you've gotten from you know returning to your spiritual practice mm, how, do they, yeah, how do they live in your life today oh that's a good question um i think a, a lot of it has been helping me to remember that I'm not alone. There are a lot of times where I can I can really get into the place of it's just me. It's just me. No one's watching. No one cares. No one's da 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 da. Especially when all of this stuff is going on in the world with police brutality and climate change. I'm all like, who the hell is up there? Who's pulling the strings? Uh, and, and also the helplessness that can happen around. It's just me. Like, what exactly can I do? And having that spiritual tether, like, really helps remind me, oh, yeah, like, it, it isn't just me. I'm, like, constantly connected. And there's some plan going on out there. I don't, 
I don't know what the hell's going on <laughs> half the time. And maybe I'm not meant to know, um, but I'm here. So how do I make the best of my time? But it's really easy. Um, I mean, in let's see, who is this? Um, let's see, Baba Neem Karoli has this, this quote about how, um, you know, you can let go the hand of the divine, but the divine doesn't let go of your hand. The entire time that you think you're away from the divine, you're close by. And it's like, again, it's easy to perceive that you've let go and you're not coming back and all that stuff. But eventually, eventually things get too heavy to carry by yourself. And then you're like, I need help. I need help. Oh, and that's probably one of the things that I, I don't do well enough. And that's probably why I need spiritual practice the most is to get, keep on coming back, to not be so independently minded and think that, you know, I can do it all by myself because that's, I don't know that that's real. I don't know that that's real. Yeah, practice receiving help. I mean, that's a tough one for me too. I think that's hard to really surrender to that and to count on something. You know, whether it be the divine um, or another person or, you know, a community uh, to really count on be like, are you going to actually pick me up if I fall? Yeah. That's a big yeah. question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially if, you know, you, you grew up like I did with the people who were supposed to pick you up when you, you fall, being very preoccupied with their own problems, really hard to undo such a core wounding. So um, it's my, it is a constant journey for me to be like, oh, did I let go? Oh, did I let go? Oh, did I let go? Until who knows if I ever stop letting go. <laughs> but coming back, always coming back. Yeah, I like the, uh, the image you have of, you know, humbly just trying to do good in the world you know, bringing the light into the little piece of the system that you can, right? Touching the people that you can and, you know, truly having faith, which is something I try to hold too, that it will come back around or that it will just make everything better or that there's like some purpose and reason to it. And it is, I mean, I'm, when you talk about the hopelessness, when I talk to, you know, a lot of my clients or, you know, I think a lot of our peers, there is this hopelessness around things like, you know, like you said, police brutality or climate change or even COVID or mm -hmm. these like really big issues, the Middle East conflict right now, where people are like, yeah, oh my God, how can there be any light? Like, how can there be any goodness in the world if these things continue to happen? Um, and the faith is huge. The faith is really huge for holding that mm. and not giving up hope, right? Like continuing to work and, and beautify is the way I see it, like beautify the world. Um, even if you don't get immediate feedback that it's doing anything. You know? Right, 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 right. Gosh, I forget this Mother Teresa quote, but it's, you know, maybe we can't all do great things, but we can all do uh, small things with great love. Um, and I think there isn't a whole lot of credence given to like what we can do in small little, um, you know, sacred ways. Whether it be like for me, it's like bestowing a little prayer upon myself and maybe my client, you know, while they're they're leaving, um, or you know, just 
recycling your damn cardboard, you know, like, like all that, even though it takes a couple of steps outside to make that happen. Um, and if you have the means and, you know, all the ways, time, energy, effort, privilege to do bigger things, then you do them. But until then, like, what's the excuse for not doing something small? Exactly. Yeah. Putting back your uh, grocery cart. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Put it back and be nice. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes me think. I mean, my main spiritual practice is uh, meditation and, you know, kind of ethically studying Buddhism. And I mean, ethically studying is in studying the ethics of Buddhism and, mm -hmm. you know, stoicism and learning that. But I felt more of a call toward Judaism, which is what my actual, you know, lineage is. Mm -hmm. And in some of my initial readings, I've taken a look at Kabbalah, which is more of, you know, the mystical path yeah. of it. And there's this really beautiful, you know, uh, premise to it, which is that, you know, the light of God is scattered. It's actually fragmented and it's everywhere. And what the Kabbalists do is that you just go around, you just collect it and then you stack it. And that's like all we're doing is just like collecting those little light modes and combining them so they can shine brighter, you know, as a, as a unity, right. All together. I, I really like that. Like that really called to me. I'm like, that's what humanity is, a, is about. It's like reuniting God and bringing it all together. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not going to get all clinical, but this is the one thing that comes to mind is remembering, remember, like if I were to break that down, like the R-E, re, and then membering, I think a lot of spiritual um, practice is just coming back together in one way or another. So easy in our individualized society to just let go, be apart. Yeah. You know, we'll talk a lot more about that in our next segment of, you know, what somebody would want to hear if they're feeling broken apart or they're feeling, you know, washed out in the current society, which is so true. I mean, we can get into the whole, you know, technology, Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. Um, <laughs> but for those of you listening out there, if you'd like to reach out to Kiana, if you want to give us feedback about the show, please send us an email to podcast at mark-asley.com. Anything that you write to Kiana, I'll forward it directly to her. Um, I know we'd both love to hear from you about if this is touching you, if this is relevant, um, and if you'd like to see her back again in the future for another episode. So stay tuned, and we'll catch you on the other side of the break. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are the experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azaleh.teachable.com. That's mark 
marc-azalay.teachable.com. For teens, by teens, and about teens, tune into the uncensored and unedited discussions with young adults on Express Yourself every Sunday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Smart, tenacious teen hosts and reporters from around the country speak up and speak out. Express Yourself. Visit the website for the show to find out more at expressyourselfteenradio.com. And check out the show on the Voice America Empowerment Channel every Sunday. Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel with a replay of the show Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azalay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azalay.com. Now back to From the Ashes. Welcome back. So, Kiana, we were talking in the break about how you know our generation, the millennial generation, or you know our peers, or hell, I mean, even myself, like it's so easy to be disconnected, mm-hmm. you know, from spirituality, number one, I think from each other, from community, it's so easy to be siloed. And it's a loneliness that I think a lot of us have felt, you know, particularly during the pandemic as well, just being alone mm-hmm. and feeling like there's nobody there. And it sounds like you were feeling some of that before you refound your faith and refound your spiritual connection. So if there's someone else listening that is feeling that similar amount of disconnection, what would you want them to hear? So many things. <laughs> so many things. Um, I guess one thing I'd want them to hear is that, like, yeah, welcome to the party. Like, this society is built so much on that independent, um, you know, rugged individual ideology that it can be so easy to think that, you know, being on your own island is you winning, (laughs) you winning at life, you doing the right thing and whatnot. Um, And we are, we are like scientifically very social beings, right? We need, we need each other and we play very specific roles in each other's lives. And that's one of the ways I think we all experience the divine is through one another. So if you are feeling lonely and untethered and wanna get back into your own spiritual life in one way or another, just know that there, there is no one way, there's no right or wrong way there's only the way that works for you (laughs) and one of my big encouragements would be to find community like find your people 
that reson that you resonate with and continue exploring, continuing to question and doubt along the way. Um, you know, if anyone comes and says like, I have the answer, capital T, capital A, um, run away in the opposite <laughs> direction. For sure. Because <laughs> they might have an answer, but it might not be your answer. Who knows? Who knows? Um, but, you know, just remembering like connection, connection is like one of the most holiest things that, that happens. Like all of, all of the things that happen out in the world that seem like miracles equal a whole bunch of connections. Um, what else would I want them to say? Or think. And I'll also give you my basic advice. Feed yourself. Water yourself. Take care of your basics always. Um, treat yourself kindly. Um, and just, you know, try to be a good person to yourself and to other people. You're going to fuck up a lot. And that's okay. I think that's a critical piece. It's like being okay with the awkwardness or being okay with being a work in progress. And I think the more lonely an individual is, the more they're engaging with, you know, social media or, or TV shows, Netflix, where everything is perfect and, and, you know, curated. And I think the people, they lose what actual human connection looks like, which is sometimes pretty messy or sometimes has dead air or sometimes, you know, involves like staring off into space for a while, <laughs> you know, like it, everything doesn't have to be perfect and, and executed and, and poignant and or hilarious all the time. Um, of course, it's great, you know, if it is, but I think giving yourself a little bit of a break to get out there. And not thinking that you're weird or be skilled or don't fit in. Because even though loneliness, you know, by definition, right, is lonely, it's a common experience. Like, that's the weird part about it is that, like, it feels very similar to most people, even though you feel like nobody knows what you're feeling. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, it's a really weird thing. It's a really weird thing. Like, many people feel like no one knows what they're feeling. Right. Yeah. And loneliness is one of those ones that if you were in a room full of people and you said, who has, you know, who has, uh, you know, had a hungover on a hangover over off of 60th Street Mall, like maybe half the people raise their hands. OK, who has gone to Bali? OK, maybe three quarters. But if you say, hey, who has been lonely in their lives. I'm willing to bet a million dollars that I do not have that everyone in that room would raise their hands. We've all felt lonely one way or another at one time or another. Yeah. So you're not alone in feeling lonely. There's someone else out there feeling the exact same way you are. Maybe for different circumstances, but exact same feeling. And as far as social media and the disconnection, especially of our generation. It's so interesting that that is um, justified. Like, hey, this is the way we can connect with more people. Like, I can connect with, like, my my preschool sweetheart through Facebook and, like, keep track of her life and, like, <laughs> all these things. I could be more connected through Facebook when really it's accomplishing the opposite. 
just like you said, you know, I'm only tuning into like all these beautiful, like very paradise versions of these people when really like the human experience, the deeper, wholer experience is also seeing like the messiness. Yeah. And, and being like, need true connection for that. Absolutely. And being actually interdependent, which I heard you talk about earlier, yeah. you know, in the episode, you know, when you go on social media or whatever, and I'm not saying it's all bad, but you know, when you go on it, it's not an exchange of energy or an exchange of need and want and uh, helping. It's just like information exchange. It's an age of data. Whereas right. when you look at true community, it's like, who's going to actually be there for you when you're sick? Who's going to cook you soup? You know, yeah. who's going to hold your hand when, you know, you lose a pet or a family member, you know, who's going to like help you move a big piece of furniture that you can't lift by yourself. You know yes. I mean? It's like all these like little human moments for me or, or that's where the real community comes in. And I, I think, yeah, I think the generational thing is that because of how easy in some ways life can be, you know, I'm not saying it's that for everybody, but I think for a lot of us it can be very easy. We don't need each other, like actually need each other in the way that humans have for most of history. Yeah, I can just call a task rabbit. Right. And like, I don't need you to help me move. I'll get a task rabbit <laughs> and pay them to, you know, if I have the means to do that. But yeah, everything is so easily accessible. Um, and, and the perception is that connection is just that accessible. But, you know, true connection between two people, like me actually actually being able to see you and all your bits, all the nasty bits and all the nice bits and everything in between, like that is, I don't, I don't know what experience can really make up for that. Like what can replace that? Um, and when you say interdependence, you know, I think about, you know, Plum Village um, philosophy too, that idea that like we enter our, I belong to you and you belong to me. I'm not free if you are not free. Um, and I mean, that's like a fundamental thing in most spiritual and religious traditions is that there's some version of, you know, take care of your neighbor as you would yourself. Um, there, There is a sense of, hey, like we're all, we're all in this boat. How we? How are we going to help each other along the path? You don't know. You don't know. It's harder, especially with all the social construct, constructs that we have going on to to be in the same race. A lot of us are a couple of steps ahead for all these kinds of privileges that we have. But nonetheless, how do we still see each other as each other's sibling rather than a competitor or a consumer? or a predator or, you know, all of those things that can come through with that individualistic idea of like, if you have more than I do, then that means I don't get to have that. So fuck you, I'm going to try and get that from you instead. So you can have less. Um, I think that's a lot of where my social justice stuff springs from too, is just, you know, how do I be good to my neighbor? Well, that's one of the biggest myths out there of this, that everything is a zero sum game. Scarcity. Yeah. Scarcity mentality. Yeah. Right. And that like, you know, a win for you is a win for me because everybody gets better. And mm -hmm. I just see that happen. I see it happen even in this industry, even in the therapy industry, which is hilarious. Oh, yeah. 
Um, well, not hilarious. It's actually just depressing, but disappointing. But I think it's funny because, you know, but uh, yeah, just seeing the scarcity mentality really take over people and being like, I need to take this from you or I need to make sure that you don't get that. Just like you're saying, that is it's very toxic. Right, right, right. It's It's more like, you know, how do I build a bigger table? It might mean that like we all get less bread, but we all have a seat at the table and we all get fed at least a little bit. Totally. Mm -hmm. So Kiana, as we're wrapping up here, can you tell people how they might find you? Oh man, all kinds of ways. Um, I, that's a good question. If you really, really like want to get a hold of me, email is probably the best. You can email me at Kiana. That's Q-I, no U, Q-I-A-N-A, F is in Frank, 716 at gmail.com. Or of course you can email Mark and he can get you in contact with me. And um, yeah, we can chat more about spirituality. I also have a private practice that I'm uh, just now launching too. Happy to talk with you if you have any multicultural clinical mental health needs or if you want to talk spirituality more. Um, but it's been so good, so good to be here and to talk about this, this part of my life with you, Mark. Yeah, I'm really honored that you decided to share this on the show. We were you know, doing the pre-show for this. You're like, I realized that I don't really talk about this this much. You know, and and it was a surprise for me. I mean, I knew a little bit, but I've learned so much about you during this episode too. Um, Mm -hmm. And I definitely feel closer to that more spiritual part of you um, after hearing you talk. Good. I do too. What a gift. Thank you. Thanks for being on the show. For those of you listening out there, it really helps if you give us a review on iTunes, five stars, because you know we deserve it. Really helps us um, as this fledging podcast is taking off as well as following us on social media. If you want information and resources about the show to know what's happening on the upcoming episodes, or get your voice heard about a guest that you might want to see appear. So thanks for tuning in to From the Ashes, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining host Mark Azoulay for From the Ashes. Be sure to tune in again live next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll have another edition of the program then. Meet triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters the same. Until next time.